Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Prayer is one of those things that, rather not if you're a Christian or not, I think people, all people, um, at some point you discover how to pray. Like this was my path of prayer, even before I was a Christian. No one taught me how to pray. But my prayers, they were self-taught. It was something like this, like, Lord, I pray that my parents don't find out. Like that was probably one of my first prayers, right? <laughs> no one taught me how to pray that. I just prayed, Lord, I pray that I don't get caught. You know, Lord, 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 I pray that I pass this test. Uh, Lord, I pray that, that I would stop throwing up and I'll never drink again. Like I would pray. <laughs> how many of you, you, you prayed that before? You just been right there and it's just been a bad night and you're like, I'll never do it again, God. You know, God, just show me favor, you know. Um, you see, I, I, I remember seeing Jennifer for the first time and I prayed. I wasn't even a Christian, but I prayed, man. Lord, give me that girl. Let her just become my wife. I mean, you, you pray these prayers. We, we pray, give, give me this, bless me, uh, heal me, you know, do, guide me, do this. We just, we, we, we just naturally, I think, learn on our own kind of how to pray prayers like that. Um, and maybe you're here and you're like, no, no one really taught me how to pray, but you can relate with that. Like maybe you've even found that you've discovered in your life, no matter where you're at, your spiritual journey, that you can pray prayers like, God, you know, I'm in a pinch here. Can you help me out? I think even non-Christians pray, uh, which is so ironic to me. People that are not Christians pray to a God that they don't believe in, but when they're in a tough spot, I mean, you get it. And, and that's totally cool and everything. I think God's just happy that we're praying, right? Um, but we, we can all be in that place where we pray prayers like that, that are really, honestly, if you think about it, they're a little, they're a little self-centered, you know, it's like we find ourselves praying, give me, give me, give me, bless me, bless me, bless me, heal me, heal me, heal her, heal him. And at best, what we do is we shift our prayers from ourself, me, 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 to at least the people around us that we care about, right? It's like, God, give to them, provide for them, give them the job, bless them. They're in a pinch. They're in a tough spot. They're desperate. You know, they're diagnosed with this. And so we pray prayers like that. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think that those, that praying prayers like that in and of themselves are actually bad. Okay. Because the Bible says this, cast your cares upon him, God, because why? Because he cares for you. And so I think God, he cares about those things that we care about. Do you know that God, listen to me, some of you, you need to hear this today. The things that you're, you're burdened with right now and that you care about, God actually cares about. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. He cares about everything. And so the scriptures say, cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. The scriptures also say things in Ephesians that says that we need to learn how to pray about everything. That is to bring everything to God. The Bible, uh, the Bible teaches that God cares about all the details of our life. So, it's, so it is important, but may I submit to you this one little idea today that I think that when we pray like that, Lord, give me, give me, bless me, bless me, heal me, heal me, guide me, guide me, show me, show me. When we pray like that, we're only, we've only discovered a portion of prayer. If you were to imagine a pie chart, I wish I had it on the screen. If you were to imagine a pie chart, praying like that is, it is important and it is biblical, but it's, it's actually only a portion of the pie chart. And when we only know that portion of, of prayer, then we, we, we never tap into the beauty and the brilliance and the, just the magnitude of what prayer could possibly be in our life. And I think sometimes we may actually be praying the wrong way because we haven't discovered the right way to pray. And, and, and here's how I know this to be true, uh, that the disciples, one of the, the few requests that they made to Jesus, you know what it was? It was not, it was not hey, can you teach us how to, how to multiply fish? It wasn't, can you teach us how to turn water into wine, which I probably would have asked for that one. That, I mean, you can make a, that's very profitable, right? 
It, it wasn't like, Lord, will you teach us how to walk on water? Will you teach me how to raise the dead? Like they saw him do all these things, but that's not what they asked. They said, Jesus, will you, will you teach us how to pray? And they said this one day in Luke chapter 11, you see it, it says once Jesus was in a certain place. So that shows us right there that where you pray is actually important. You can pray everywhere, absolutely. But there's something about having a, a place, a, a special place, just you and the Lord. Any married people in here, you have that special little date night spot you like to go with your girl, you know? That Jesus, there's something special about a place that you've set aside. This is like consecrated. This is set aside just for me and you. And it says this, that once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and they said this, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? Now, I want you to think about this. Think about this. These are, these are 12 Jewish young men, probably, probably aging, I don't know, maybe 15, 17 to probably max 30, but probably in that little pocket there of 15 to 25, maybe even younger than that. But these are, these are Jewish young men growing up in this particular time these Jewish boys, part of their education was to learn the Torah or the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. And part of their education was to learn how to pray. So they've been taught how to pray. And yet they saw Jesus pray in such a way that they thought, that's not how I pray. They saw Jesus, the, his path of prayer, and they thought, his path, the, the way that he prays, it gets him to a different place from, from how our prayer is working in our life. Like his prayer ha has a different, a different, a different effect. There's something different because may, maybe, maybe it's, it's the praying that, that helps him walk on water. Maybe it's the praying that helps him uh, bind, uh, you know, demonic spirits. Maybe it's the praying that helps him do these miracles and these signs and these wonders. Maybe it's the praying that helps his preaching. Maybe it's the praying that gives him the authority and the power. There's something about his praying that's different from our praying. And we just want to learn, Jesus, will you, will you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus responds to these guys in the next few verses with uh, what's most commonly known as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, right? I don't know, can, can you quote that today? I always mess it up, could, but could you quote it without them putting it on the screen? Is it Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil. Oh, look, right there. All right, so in some translations, because in some manuscripts, it has that little, that little nice little like kind of cap, that exclamation point on the end, for thine is the kingdom. The... Yeah, so this is, this, is, this, is, uh, this is the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, uh, or the Our Father. Maybe you grew up in a church environment, uh, or maybe you just are familiar with that. Um, that's one of those prayers that are often prayed. And it was actually the prayer that Jesus, that Jesus gives to, to the disciples as a model, not as a manuscript, but as a model, as a pattern. It was a pattern of prayer. And he says, I want to teach you how to do this, and I'm going to teach you something about prayer. I'm going to teach you to pray like I pray. Think about this. They just saw Jesus pray. And they go, teach us how to pray like you. And he says, all right, I'm gonna teach you how to pray like me. And this is how Jesus prayed. This was the, the, basically the structuring of the way that Jesus would pray. But it's more than a structure. It's a posture that he has in his prayer, as we'll see in just a few moments. There, there's a pattern to it, but it's more than just this manuscript of saying, hey, just repeat this after me. 
It's more than just a, hey, do this a little religious motion. It's more than just like when you're in a pinch, pray this. It's, it's, it's more than that. I, I grew up with one, one of the first prayers that I learned was, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. That is the creepiest prayer for a kid to pray. But it was kind of one of my starting points. But Jesus, he, he unpacks this. Now, here's the thing, though. You can read Luke 11, and it's actually, it's not what we just quoted. It's actually a, a more condensed version. And, and then, but it's the same essence of what I'm about to dig into with you, which is found over in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, it's very similar, and it's, it's, it's pretty much the same structuring there. But I want to dig into this for just a little bit because I think there's, there's something so foundational that you and I have got to discover when it comes to prayer. And, and my prayer is that this is going to help you a bit. I just want to help you today. Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus says after they've asked him, you know, teach us how to pray. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So there, were, there was a way that people, the, the, you know, the Christians of that day, not really Christians, but the, the, the Jewish people, you know, the people of God, that the way that they prayed was a lot of them, the really religious people, their path and their pattern was, we're going to go out in public in front of a bunch of people and we're going to pray really loud. We're going to pray really long and we're going to repeat ourselves, And we're just kind of just, because we want to look spiritual and sound spiritual. Uh, have you ever felt intimidated in a circle to pray because you didn't feel like you had the right religious words to pray? And Jesus says, that's, that's, not even, that's not even the right way to pray. So don't even worry about it. You don't have to have the right words, as you'll see in just a moment. But he says, hey, guys, when you pray, which tells us that there's an expectation, not if you pray, but when you pray. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, the people that are like, say they're following God, but they're really just, they're trying to sound spiritual. Don't be like them. He says, they, stand, they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. He says, truly, I tell you, look at this. They have already received their reward in full. That is, their prayers are not going to be answered. They're, they're not going to be rewarded for the way that they're praying or for what they're praying for because they're not doing it with the right motivation. They don't care if I see them. They want people around them to see them because they want to appear to be spiritual. So I don't pray like that. And he goes on, he says, um, he says, instead, he said, but when you pray, look at this. He says, go into your room. Go into your room. Another translation says the storeroom. Storeroom for the Jewish people was where they would keep their most prized possessions, their treasures. It was almost like a, the way we'd have a safety box in our house. He says, there's a, there's a storeroom. I want you to go in there. That is simply that he's saying this. There are treasures waiting for you in the secret place. And he says, I want you to go into a specific place, into your room. So the location is actually important to Jesus. We know that you can pray everywhere, but he's saying, I want you to have a set aside place that you go and you meet with me. Some of you, my mom used to talk about, she, she had a prayer closet. She'd literally go into a closet, had, would move all those shoes out of the way. <laughs> and she would just get there before the Lord. And she'd pray, she'd go into a room. And Jesus says, that's what I want you to do. I want you to go into your room. I want you to close the door. That is, that it, this is solitude. This is me and you. I want to do some work with you, God says. This is not like you have the kids in the car and you're just trying to just shoot up a shotgun prayer real quick. This is not you're rushing to work and you're putting your eyeliner on and you're on the bar and you're just like, Lord, I pray you help me today. Get the promotion. This is, <laughs> this is not that. Do that. That's cool. Get your prayer on everywhere, all times, about everything. Do it. But Jesus says, I want you to treasure it a little bit more than just that on the rush. I want you to treasure it like you're going, you're going, you're getting alone with me and that you're looking, you're going to get some treasure in that place, which we will find the treasure is not the answered prayer, but the treasure is he himself. Yes. It goes on. He says, uh, close the door. 
that is no distractions. Try to eliminate the distractions. And I want you to pray to your father who is unseen. Think about this. So that means prayer is prayed in faith. You can't see God, right? It's a faith thing. Then your father who sees. Like I could just preach this whole part right here because there's some of us, I think today you feel like God doesn't see what you're going through. But when you get into those moments where you get alone with God and you're praying, he sees you and he hears you. You just need to know you're, you're, he's your father. You're his son and his daughter. He, he sees, he knows, and he cares. And he says, you just need to know this. When you pray in faith to your unseen father, your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. He will reward you. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. Here's how the pagans would pray. Pagans are different from the first group that he mentions. The first group was Jewish believers that he said these particular people, they were actually hypocrites. Not all Jewish believers, but the ones he mentions here, that they would pray to be seen by people. He said, but the pagans, they just babble. Pagans would do this. The pagans that worship Baal and the different foreign gods, they would actually, they would, they would pray for a long periods of time and they would, they would pray very, very loud, high, high decibels. And they would, they would oftentimes, they'd make sacrifices. Sometimes they would cut themselves. And here's what they were trying to do. Their thought was this, is that I'm going to, I'm going to work so hard in my prayer that the gods are going to bend towards me. That was the way that the pagans prayed. And, and Jesus says, as, a, as one of my followers, as a kingdom person, you don't have to pray like that. How many Christians think that they have to just pray really long, really hard, and, and they have to just work really hard to get God to bend his will towards theirs? And he says, that's, that's not how you pray. Jesus is like, it's not that complicated. Like, it's not we're praying to the gods to bend towards us, to be appeased with our prayers. Like, that's not how you pray. Like, don't pray like that. And don't babble. Don't just keep repeating yourself. And he said this, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. He says, do not be like them. For your father, look at this, knows what you need before you even ask. I love that. He says, there's a path that hypocrites pray to be seen. Don't do that. There's a path that the pagans pray that think they're going to bend God's will towards it. He said, don't pray that. He goes and said, I'm going to teach you exactly how to pray. And then he goes into the Lord's prayer. First, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, our. If you look at this prayer, it's striking that he says, you're not to pray individualistic prayers that are just me centered. You're to pray with this, with this idea that it's bigger than just me. It's, it's us. It's our. Do you know that that this Christian life that you and I are living, there's a universality to it that's like, it's, it, there's more than us. Like it's bigger than just Sozo Church. Like it's bigger than just our non-denominational little stream. It is bigger than just our right now in history. It goes back for generations. It will go for generations probably past us if the Lord doesn't come back. It's so much bigger and we have to keep that in mind that what you and I are a part of, listen, it is personal with God, but it is so much bigger. It is so much larger. And he says, remember that you're a part of a family. That's what he's saying. Our father, which art in heaven. I love this because the next thing he says is our father, which means that it's relational. And that there's, there's, there's a deep connection that Jesus says you want to you go after in your prayer. And I think this is, this is, this is unbelievable when he says this. Uh, the Jewish people of his day, they would have referred to God as father, but listen, more as father of all things, the beginning of all things. So father more as a founder, not as a personal relationship. 
when Jesus uses this word father here, it's Abba. Abba is, is more like dad. It's more like whenever my son, Nixon, he loves, uh, Liam calls me dad, but Nixon calls me daddy. He's just like, he jumps on my lap and he's in this, this connection and this relationship. Now, I don't pray. You can do this if you want to, but I don't pray and call God daddy. That's just not me. That's not how I roll. You can do it if you want to. I just don't do it. But the point is this. The point is this. He's saying, he's saying guys, when you, when, you, when you come to approach God, you need to understand this. That you need to approach him as your father. Now, here's why that's hard for many of us. Because many of us, we had an absent father or we had a father that abandoned us. We had an abusive father. We had a bad experience with our earthly father. And so now it's hard for us to relate to God as father. And Jesus says, I just want you to know that when you approach him, I want you to approach him like that, that that it's a safe place, that it's a place where you can be vulnerable. It's a place where you you can just crawl up in the lap of God And just like you would your dad, just like be in his presence. And as any good father will hold his children and love his children and accept his children, no matter what they've ever done, no matter what, even on my son's worst worst days, even if I have to discipline them and correct them, I still, I don't go and hide in my room and say, you stay in your room and I'm staying here and we're just gonna, I'm gonna make you pay for this for days. No, no, no. I discipline my children because I love them. But then you know what I do? After they're finished crying, I come and I sit right beside them. And I, hold, I pick them up and I put them in my lap and I tell them how much I love them, even on their worst days. Listen, there's some of you in here, I think you, it's hard for you to relate to God as father because you've had a lot of bad days where you felt like your father doesn't love you. I'm telling you here today, your father loves you. Your father, he leans in towards you. He cares about you. And Jesus says, when you come before God, I want, you need to come before him in your prayer that it's relational. It's not mechanical. I think a lot of times people... Can, can begin to become mechanical in their prayers and the scriptures, even in worship on Sundays when we come here. It's so easy. Have you discovered it's so easy just to come in and just like, do, 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 do. Okay, they, they're not using normal drums today and this is different. And, you know, it's just, it's, it can become mechanical and, and it, it's supposed to be relational, not transactional. It's relational. He says, you come before him and it's relational. He said, so, so you need to know it's this closeness of a, of a son or a daughter and their father. But then he, he reminds them, however, though there's a closeness, you need to remember this. It's our father who are in heaven. That though he's close as a father, make no mistake about it. He is, he is, he is, he's a, this heavenly father. And then the next thing he says is, and so hallowed be his name. What does that mean? Hallowed be, may his name be exalted and praised. May we revere and may we, may we have a respect for him. May we know that though he is father and close, he's still holy. He's still big. He's still massive. He still has authority over everything. He controls the universe. He is sovereign. He, he's, he, he is so massive. You just need to remember that though he's close as a father, also remember he loves you like a father, but he is king. He is Lord. He is sovereign. He is over everything. He is like, you got to know that when you approach him. And so you need to approach him like that, that he is father, but he's also, he's, he's, he, he has this name that is powerful and he is this king and this Lord. He is, he, he is over everything. He reigns above everything and that should shape your prayers. He was like, this, this should inform the way that you pray. With, when you get a revelation that it is bigger than just us, it's our, and that he is our loving father, but he's also, he's, he's to be honored and he's a king and he's over everything. He was like, this should inform the way that you pray. Now, here's why this, is so very important because he continues to go on. He says, because the next thing that you pray is your kingdom come. 
If God is father that loves us and that if he is the king over everything and sovereign, the next thing I pray for is not my needs and not my kingdom. It's not my will. The next thing I pray for is may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now here's, this is, this is so powerful. I'm about to get somewhere with this. This is so very powerful. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not to impose it. The purpose of prayer is not that we come before God and we're just imposing our will, our desires, our needs, and all those things on God. Those things are so secondary. The purpose of prayer is for us to come to the place in prayer to where we get to where Jesus is saying, God, because you love me and your father, because you're king over everything, you're the creator of everything, you are sovereign, I just, I come before you and I surrender to your kingdom and to your will, to your desire and to whatever you want. And watch this. When you get to the place of surrender like that, then and only then are you really truly ready to start presenting your request before God. Because if you just present your request before God, wanting your will, when God doesn't answer your prayer the way he, the way you think he should, it causes disillusionment and discouragement and despair. Sometimes it causes people to leave the faith. But when you get to the place, you say, you know what, God, I want your kingdom more than I want my kingdom. I want your will more than I want my will. I have things I want to pray about God, but before I even get to that, I just, I'm just telling you, I submit my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Like I have a prayer I want to pray about a spouse. I have a prayer I want to pray about a child. I have a prayer I want to pray about healing. I have all these prayers and we're going to get to them. But God, first, before we even go there, I come before you and I just bow before you and I say, I surrender to your will. And I surrender to your kingdom. I want your way more than I want my way. I want your will more. This is what Jesus prayed in the garden before the cross. You remember that? It's like, if there's any other way, God, any other way, Father, will you let this cup pass for me? Like he's saying, I don't want to go to the cross. Like that's going to be very painful. Is there a different way that we can handle this and do this? And then he says this, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This was the way Jesus prayed is Jesus or Jesus would look at his father and say, Father, there are things that I want, but I'm submitting myself to what you want. I'm surrendering to your way. I'm surrendering to your will. I think this is the heart of what Jesus is saying. This is how we pray is that God, I want your will more than anything. More than I want my way, I want your will. More than, more than I want my kingdom to be built, I want your kingdom to be built. And when we get to this place, here's what I know, is God is fully responsible for the person that is fully surrendered to him. That's right. He's fully responsible. And so the purpose of prayer is not to get what we want. The purpose of prayer is not to get what we will. The purpose of prayer is actually to get to a place of more surrender. The purpose of prayer is to get to the place where we trust him more. The purpose of prayer is that we get to the place where like the three uh, Hebrew uh, guys that were thrown into the fire before they were thrown into the fire in the Old Testament, they said, we believe that he can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, it's, it's, it's that place we say his will be done. His kingdom come, whatever he wants, whatever he wills in my life. Like to put this in practical terms, like I, I pray for my son's healing all the time. I've been praying for his healing for seven years. He hasn't been healed yet. But at the end of the prayer, you know, I pray, God, nevertheless, your will be done. Maybe you, have, maybe you know something I don't know. Maybe you're going to use Nixon's uh, eczema and the allergies and the things that he's dealing with that he's been tormented by. Maybe you're going to use that for him to be able to be an encouragement to someone else that's walking through something hard. I don't know, but I just submit to your will. Yeah. Here's what I've discovered. When we pray like that, here's what it does. 
That's when peace comes. When you can get to the place where you pray a prayer like that and say, God, I, I have my, my prayer list, but more than anything else, I want your will and your kingdom. That's whenever we get to a place of rest. When you can rest in that place, there's nothing like it. And no matter the outcome, you know, I know he's my father and he still loves me. And I know he's the king of everything. He's sovereign and he must know something I do not know. So I'm going to stay surrendered to his will and to his kingdom. Now, that's the starting point. You could just shut it down right there. But then I think when we get to that place, then we move into what we begin to pray for. And he mentions these things because they are important. The next thing that he says is, give us today our daily bread. What is that? It's provision. As you start to pray, like, all right, I'm surrendered to his will, whatever he wants, whatever he wills, whatever he desires. But now, God, I have my prayer list. So, so now that we've settled that I'm submitted to you, whatever you want, now I'm going to bring the provision over here to you. Will you give us this day our daily bread? What is the daily bread? For every person, it's different. For some, it may actually be food. Maybe, maybe you're in a food insecure situation and you, need, you just need God to provide for you so you can eat. Maybe you're in that place. And that could be a reality for you. Listen, God wants to provide for you. And Jesus says, pray for provision because the father wants to provide for you like any good father would. But maybe your daily bread, maybe it's not food. Maybe it's a job. Maybe you've been praying for a job. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe it is a spouse. Maybe it is a child. Maybe it is healing in your body. He wants to provide. And so we can ask him and we can pray that, God, will you provide for us? I think another thing is this. This is a good thing to think about. In scriptures, bread is referred to, or is, is, it illustrates the word of God. Jesus, remember that when Jesus quoted that scripture, it says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so could it be that, that in this scripture, Jesus is saying, why don't you pray every day for a word from heaven? Daily bread. You need daily bread to sustain you. But he will. He will provide. So then we, we, we move into provision. After we, we've discovered the purpose, which is to be submitted and surrendered, then we move into provision and we begin to pray for the things that we need and desire in our life, asking for the Lord to provide. And by faith, we just believe that his will is better than our will. His kingdom is better than our kingdom. And he's going to sort out the details. We pray for, for provision. But then the next one, he says this, verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is pardon. You move from provision to pardon. pardon. Pardon is canceling the debt. You don't owe me anymore. And so you're saying this, this is where you move into confessing your sins to God. You begin to search your heart and you say like, David, Lord, search my heart. Show me, is there anything in me that is not pleasing to you? Because right now I'm coming before you and I'm saying, Lord, forgive me. Let your grace just pour over my life right now. Give me a fresh start, a new beginning. Thank you that your mercy is anew every day. God, I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I thought like that. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I didn't do that when you told me to do that. There's sins of commission and omission. God, I just, so I come before you, I say, thank you for your forgiveness right now. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my debts. Forgiveness is simply canceling a debt. So you come before God and say, God, thank you that my debt's canceled because of Jesus. And you thank him for his forgiveness. But that pardon, this prayer of pardon is not just for your pardon. Because he says, forgive me just as I've forgiven those that have, have debts against me, trespasses or sins against me. This is so important. I believe that prayer is like a conduit towards heaven. And one of the things that clogs up that pipe so your prayers are hindered is offense, bitterness, and resentment and unforgiveness towards your brothers and sisters. And what he says right here is don't just think about your own pardon. I want you to pardon people. This is a part in your prayer where you're saying, God, is there anybody that I'm mad at right now? God, am I still, am I still resenting my dad right now? God, am I still, am I still holding, that, holding that grudge with that coworker that got the promotion that I should have got? 
This is that moment where we search our heart and say, God, I don't want to be angry, bitter, resentful towards any of my brothers and sisters. Show me, Lord. And then you release them. You cancel the debt. Sometimes you do it just in that moment. Sometimes your next step is you got to go to them for the pardon to be full, right? You got to take that big next step and tell them, I forgive you. You hurt me and it hurt bad, but I forgive you. I release you. I believe that's a critical piece to our, to our prayer life. And then the third one is this, is we move into the, the protection piece. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is where, in other words, we start praying, God, will you, will you protect my family? I, my kids and my wife, they're, they're in, in our hometown right now. And um, they went to like two or three different birthday parties and things. My wife called me yesterday. She said, oh my goodness, every party that we went to, they've got this stomach virus and everybody's gotten sick. And she said, I need you to pray for protection right now. Pray that God will help us. And thank God they're still, they're not sick. Uh, and I'm just thanking God for it. But this is that protection piece. It's God, I pray you protect me, protect my finances, protect my business. God, protect my children, protect us when we travel. God, protect our church. God, protect my heart, not to be wounded by people. God, I pray you protect my integrity, that I would not compromise my integrity. God, I just pray for protection. Will you surround me, Lord? God, God's word says he blesses the righteous and he surrounds him with favor like a shield. He will shield you. Yeah. He will guard you. He will protect you. And this is where we pray for protection. Now here, let me sum it up with this and I'm gonna let you out of here. Here's what I want you to do in prayer. Put, the, put this last slide on the screen. It's this, declare God's greatness. This is what your prayer should really look like. Here's the pattern I see. It's principles. First, you declare God's greatness. You surrender your will and you acknowledge your dependence upon him through provision, pardon, and protection. This is just one way. I think it's Ephesians or Colossians says there's many different types of ways to pray. This is just one model that we have right here. There's prayers of confession. There's prayers of, of petition. There's all these different things. But this is just a model that Jesus gave us. But I want you to notice those three first letters, declare uh, and declare, surrender, and acknowledge. It's DSA. This is an easy way to remember this. Don't start asking. DSA. This, this should be, if you notice Jesus, is, his, what he's telling them is like, when you come to me in prayer, don't start asking first. Don't start asking first. Do this first. Declare God's greatness. Surrender your will. Acknowledge your dependence. And then start asking. That's how we should pray. This is a simple model for you and I to pray. Here's one of the ways that I declare God's greatness. I like to turn on some worship and I just start worshiping the Lord. God, you're so good. You're so great. God, you have all the power. Of this. And I just started declaring his greatness. I started just, just praising him for who he is, praising him for his attributes, praising him for his character. It's declaring the greatness of God. It's, it's, it's worshiping him and magnifying him. David said, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Here's what happens when you declare God's greatness. You're, you're, no, you're not magnifying your problems. You're magnifying God. The, the size of God doesn't change, but your perception of him changes. And when you begin to see how big God is, you spend most of your time in prayer praising him for how great he is. You'll probably spend less time focusing on your problems because you'll realize they're not really that big of a deal compared to him. You declare his greatness you surrender your will to him. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. I trust you that you know what's best for me. And now I just declare that I depend upon you. I acknowledge that. I need you for provision. I, I, I need you, God. I need you to provide for me. I, I've worked hard to get this job, but I, that wasn't what got me this job. You got me this job. God, God I, I need you to continue to provide for me. I need you to continue to give, just offer that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness towards me. I need your grace, God protect us, God. And you just begin to do that. You're, what you're doing is you're acknowledging, I need you and I rely on you, God. It's one of the most beautiful ways that we can pray. 
What I'm asking you to do is this, is to pray this way in these 21 days. Join us as we pray. And if this isn't the structure you want to follow, follow any structure that you may find. But I, I, I do see that this is a, a path that Jesus presented for us. And it works. Here's why it works. It works not because it moves God, but because it moves you. It moves you closer to him, closer to surrender, closer to trust, closer to reliance. People used to say, prayer moves the hands that move the world. Listen, prayer moves us closer into surrender. God will do what he wants to do and we must trust that he will, he has our best in mind and his glory in mind. And we surrender and we submit to that. Practical tips is simply this, set aside a specific time over these 21 days. It may be just maybe 10 minutes in the morning. Wake up a few minutes earlier in the morning if you haven't done that already. Maybe you, you, you like the daily office as, as one of the forms of prayer where you pray shorter times, but three times in the day and in the morning and in the, in, the, in the middle of the day and later on in the evening you pray. You may wanna incorporate scripture and worship into your prayer, but just set aside time for prayer. Set aside a specific place. I wanna challenge you, if you've never done this before, I've got a place that I go. I go into my office. I actually built a door for my office because I didn't have one so that I could go into a private place and shut the door and just get in there away from everybody and everything. And I go in there and it's a set aside place, set aside time, and then have a plan, have some type of plan. It may be the Lord's prayer that we prayed here. We're also, we're gonna be posting some, some sample prayers, some prayers from the Book of Common Prayer, or book, the Book of Common Prayer. That's just common prayers that people pray all over. Just have some kind of pattern, some kind of structure that you can use as a starting point, as a, as a springboard for the prayers that you'll pray. And then, and then just go to that place and know this, that in that place, you're gonna discover some of the greatest treasures of your life. I think about this. The other, the, uh, probably a week or so ago, I, I had just, man, I, I was, I had, a, just had one of those funky weeks. It was just funky. And I was a little discouraged and just a little like, ah, just kind of a lot of things going on. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Probably none of you, but I'm just probably the only one jacked up here. But I was in one of those places and I, I, I wanted to pick up the phone and call somebody and just start like processing it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, why don't you come and process that with me? Like, thank God for your relationships and your community, but and there's a time for you to go to them, but just come, why don't you come to me? Come into that secret place, shut the door, and just come and, come and just, just bear your soul, be vulnerable in front of me. I went into that place, shut the door. I turned on, first I sat in silence, which is hard for me. I like to talk, sat in silence. See, praying is not just talking, it's listening. Sat in silence few minutes, begin to worship. I begin to sense God's presence. And I'm just kind of a soft-hearted guy towards the presence of God. Like I just begin to cry because I could sense, I could sense my father was near. Like I sensed that the father walked in the room. Some of you have probably never felt that before. Maybe some of you haven't, you know what I'm talking about. I needed my father in the room and he came because I, I got real with him. I got vulnerable. I just was like, here's what I'm walking through. Here's what I'm dealing with. And I don't like it. And I don't understand it. And I just begin to bear my soul before him. And you know what? The, a moment I'll treasure the rest of my life. I'm not going to tell you everything because some things that happen in secret, you don't need to tell. But there was a moment where he, he didn't answer my prayers. He didn't give me any solutions to the problems I'm dealing with. He didn't change my circumstances. He changed me. I left that room more surrendered to his will. I left that room saying, his kingdom's better than mine. 
and your will will be done. And I left with a sense of peace that surpasses all understanding. A rest in my soul, you would not believe. I want, I'm telling you that because I want it for every one of you and you can have it. It's not just for preachers and pastors and not just for ministers. It's for every son and daughter of God because you have a heavenly father that loves you and that he can be trusted. So I call you out today and I call you up next 21 days. We're gonna go in on prayer, okay? How many of you join me? You say, we're gonna pray like we've never prayed before, amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And God, we just thank you for what you're speaking into the life of our church, that there is, there is a path that you want us, some of us, you want us to return to the path of prayer. Some of us, you, you, want, to teach us, you want to teach us the right way to pray. Some of us, it's just reinforcing. It's stirring our faith up. But maybe they're, they're already a person of prayer. This is just going to be a season where it's going to ramp it up even more. God, we hear what you're saying. Jesus, you said that your house would be called a house of prayer. And so we know that this is important to you. There's a priority to prayer that you ask of us. Jesus, it was a priority to you. And so it should be a priority for your followers. And so today we hear what you're saying loud and clear. And we respond, yes, we're coming after you. We thank you for it today. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.